Seeking a bit of revenge in the NFC West, the Seahawks will look to get back in the winner's circle when they face off against the 49ers on Thursday night football. What are the keys to victory for the Seahawks to get back into the win column? Rob Rang and I are going to be breaking it all down on a new Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Wednesday episode, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. A special thanks to all the 12s out there as always for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. we got a big game coming up at Lumen Field tomorrow night. A must win for the Seahawks. They're reeling, losing three of their last four games, including last weekend to the Panthers. And if the 49ers beat them in Seattle, they will clinch the NFC West. So there's a lot at stake. The Seahawks trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. Rob and I are going to be devising a game plan for the Seahawks to get the upset win and stay in the hunt in the NFC West as well as the playoff picture as a whole jam-packed episode coming your way and it's brought to you by bet online bet online has you covered this season with more props odds and lines than ever before bet online where the game starts now for your lead story here on our special edition wednesday episode of locked on seahawks the seahawks and 49ers getting ready to engage in their latest nfc west battle at lumen field tomorrow night with both teams having short weeks they released their final injury reports on wednesday and Certainly some positive news for the Seattle Seahawks. Most notably, there was one name that was missing completely from that final injury report, and that was running back Ken Walker III, who is going to be ready to go, expected to start against the 49ers after missing last week's game against the Panthers. That is a huge deal for the Seahawks, who couldn't get anything going with their run game against Carolina. We know how well Walker has played most of this season, even though recently he has struggled a bit behind an offensive line that hasn't been able to create any push. They're hoping getting his explosiveness back can maybe get this run game untracked against the number one run defense in the NFL. You mentioned the word explosiveness, and that's exactly what Ken Walker III brings to the Seahawks offense. Um, you know, as I've argued in the last couple of weeks, Corbin, the, the Seahawks still have good talent at the running back position. I just wish that they were able to kind of stick with their running game a little bit more. But nobody on Seattle's roster, at least that is healthy, has the breakaway ability that Ken Walker III possesses. And as you just mentioned, the San Francisco 49ers are tops in all of the NFL in run defense. But, you know, there's one way to be able to kind of combat that, and that is having a back that can go zero to 60 the way that Ken Walker the third can. You have to have some type of X factor that is going to turn this game back into your advantage. Ken Walker the third can be exactly that. As good of news that it is to get Walker back, there still are some question marks with some significant defenders on the starting lineup for the Seahawks. And that starts up front with big Al Woods, Pete Carroll saying on Wednesday that he did not practice at all this week. That does not surprise me. He is a 35 year old veteran. They're going to be taking this all the way up till they absolutely have to make a decision an hour and a half before kickoff to see where he's at. I expect that he is going to be lobbying to play dealing with a sore Achilles. We'll see what the Seahawks decide to do there. I'm sure he will work out before the game and they'll see where he's at, but 
having him in the lineup, even if he's only able to play a handful of snaps, just his presence out there, that would be a big deal against San Francisco's dynamic run game. And they are going to get Shelby Harris back. He was another player that was not on the final injury report, finally over the illness that cost him Sunday's game. So they'll at least have him back. They're hoping to have him and Al Woods back. And then Ryan Neal at the safety position, dealing with knee and shoulder injuries. He's a gamer. He's gutted through the last two games. So I'd be surprised if he doesn't try to do the same in this one. But nonetheless, the Seahawks do have some key defenders that their status isn't going to be known until an hour and a half before kickoff when final inactives have to be made by each team. So we'll see where that stands. If any of those players end up being out That's going to be significant against a very talented 49ers offense that is as good at running the football as any team in the NFL. As for the 49ers, no real surprises, but obviously some big misses for them going into this football game, namely Debo Samuel being out with an ankle injury. Now, I was told today three weeks is what they're looking at. I am stunned that that is all the more he is going to miss. As bad as that injury looked last week against the Buccaneers, that's a huge break for the 49ers if it turns out that he could be available that quickly and return in time for the playoffs, but he won't be back for this game. And obviously Jimmy Garoppolo still out with a foot issue that could have him on the sidelines for the rest of the season. And maybe the biggest one on here because of Garoppolo's omission, him not being available for this game. Brock Purdy, the seventh round pick out of Iowa state. He started last week. He played most of the game the week before he is listed as questionable with an oblique injury. So the 49ers, They could potentially in this game be playing journeyman Josh Johnson, who has probably played for half the teams in the NFL, and I think he's worked out for the other half. I mean, he has been around as much as any player ever seen in the NFL, but he's been well-versed in a number of playbooks. He's been with the 49ers, I believe, four different times in his NFL career, so he has enough experience playing in games in the NFL that He should be able to run their offense if they need to. But that is certainly a big storyline to watch going into this game tomorrow. Who is going to be under center? I would think it's going to be Purdy, but at the same time, oblique injuries can make it very difficult to function as a quarterback. Yeah, they absolutely can. I mean, just think about, you know, play action passes and the way that you have to extend your hand out and just the strain that puts on your abdominal region, being able to kind of mix and move and and kind of climb up in the pocket. Uh, You know, whether it be Brock Purdy or Josh Johnson, these are both two very athletic quarterbacks that can use their feet as well. So I, I think that it is a big story but only to an extent. I I really don't think that the 49ers are necessarily losing that much from a seventh-round rookie in Brock Purdy who would be making his second career start uh, to Josh Johnson, who, as you mentioned, is is a veteran who is very well-versed in San Francisco's offense. So neither one of them have the elite arm strength, have have the elite accuracy that you're looking for from, say, Jimmy Garoppolo or have the physical upside that Trey Lance provides the 49ers, uh, you know, the reason why San Francisco trade up to get him in the first place. But at the same time, knowing the way that San Francisco wants to try to control the clock and the way that every team has controlled the clock against the Seahawks for the last month and a half, it doesn't take that much to just extend the ball out and hand it off. And I think that's the, the strategy the 49ers are going to take. So it really doesn't matter that much who their quarterback is going to be. If San Francisco is able to control the line of scrimmage the way most are expecting, they will be able to do so. Yeah, I think you look at these two injury reports, the Seahawks, we'll see what happens on defense with a few of the players that are listed as questionable if they're out there. 
how close they are to 100%. I would assume Al Woods and Ryan Neal are not going to be anywhere close to 100%, but if they're good enough to play, then that is obviously a big deal for the Seahawks. And as for the 49ers, they're going to be missing some key pieces, but it's all going to boil down to who's going to be under center. And they still are going to have George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk and Brandon Ayuk. It's not like there's going to be a shortage of talent. The 49ers still have plenty of good players out there for the Seahawks to deal with in what should be a really fun primetime game between two bitter rivals at Lumen Field. What do the Seahawks need to do to get the upset victory and stay in the NFC West race? Rob and I, when we return, are going to be devising our weekly game plan on offense, defense, and maybe throw in a special teams wrinkle. Not something we do each and every week as we head into this must-win Week 15 primetime battle. We'll be to those keys to victory coming up next year on our Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. As you gear up for the busy holiday season, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. And LinkedIn Jobs here make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. As a former site manager and current podcast host, I've made plenty of hires over the years. And LinkedIn has always been a go-to for me to find top candidates in sports media. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond. Add your job in the hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Audible is releasing a slate of new football podcasts we're sure you're going to love. That's why you'll be able to find a sneak peek of Think Like a Champion available right now as a bonus episode on Locked On Presents. Think Like a Champion is a brand new podcast featuring former Seahawk Russell Wilson and Audible. Russ is a champion on the field, but off of it, we rarely know the grind on the path to greatness. Russell Wilson, alongside co-host Harry Wilson, digs into high-performance athletes, artists, and leaders who push the boundaries of their potential. Here, two-time Super Bowl champion and MVP Von Miller delivers sharp insights about performing at your highest level in moments of extreme pressure or NCAA champion Tim Tebow discussing how to find your unique personal mission in the world. Each episode features interviews with Olympic medalists, NFL stars, and business leaders. Available for free on Audible or wherever you get your podcasts, head on over to Locked On Presents for a sneak peek of Think Like a Champion or catch the full series available anywhere you get your podcasts. Available everywhere now. Audible. Get in the game. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there here on a shortened week for getting your game coverage on Locked on Seahawks. For your second listen, make sure to check out Locked on Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked on can provide. Locked on Sports today It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast. All right, we've got a big game coming up tomorrow night, Thursday night football. And I know that this is the week that every player circles 
not for excitement, but disdain because they hate these short weeks. Bruce Irvin tweeting about it today, how frustrating it is still being sore in the middle of the week. And, oh, wait, I got to play a game tomorrow night. But it's the reality of the NFL in 2022. Every team plays a Thursday night game. And the 49ers are going to be dealing with those same obstacles heading into this NFC West rematch. Let's get to the keys to victory. What the Seahawks have to do, we know they can beat the 49ers. Pete Carroll's had a lot of success against Kyle Shanahan over the years, but the 49ers dominated the first matchup back in week two. They've got the number one defense in all the land in passing and rushing. They have been utterly dominant. Looking from the offensive side of the football, Rob, what do you think is the first key for the Seahawks to get that big win that they so badly need to stay in the NFC West race, as well as the playoff picture in the conference? Well, Corbin, as you said, I mean, the San Francisco 49ers are coming in here, obviously, with uh, the top seed right now in the NFC West. They are the favorites to win the division. They, they've won six games in a row. They are arguably the most physically gifted team in all of the NFC, arguably all of the NFL, even with the injuries that they've had at quarterback. So I think that the the key to victory here would be, well, first, and very much a cliche, just protect the damn ball. I mean, obviously, if you give any turnovers, then that is going to make it that much more difficult. But our, our longtime listeners, and as Corbin, as you say every time, thank you very, very much to all of our listeners, whether you're long time or this is your first episode. But if you have been listening for a while, then you've heard me just kind of extol the virtues of Seattle's tight end group. I really think that that is one of the things that makes the Seahawks a, you know, a, a pretty formidable offense. It's just the fact that they have this three-headed monster at the tight end position that is very difficult to defend against. The San Francisco 49ers have incredible speed and power all throughout their defense, but to me, one of the vulnerabilities that they have is at the outside linebacker position. You have Dre Greenlaw, who is listed at 5'11", 230 pounds. You have Aziz Alshair, who is listed at 6'2", 230 pounds. Neither of them have the height to be able to play against any of, of Seattle's tight ends. Certainly not Kobe Parkinson at 6'7". And considering the accuracy that Geno Smith has demonstrated all season long, I really think that those four, five inches that the Seahawks tight ends should all have over San Francisco's outside linebackers, that should be something that Seattle tries to take full advantage of. Hufanga, the strong safety for the 49ers, is a spectacular player as well. Again, he's a six foot, 200 pounder. They all have great instincts. They all play faster than they clocked in the 40 yard dash during their workouts. But at the same time, to me, there are not a lot of vulnerabilities on the 49ers. But I think that is one that Seattle, assuming they're able to get any kind of running game, should be able to exploit a little bit keep the chains moving hopefully keep your defense off the field and and hopefully build a little bit of con continuity confidence for your quarterback i have felt at times like geno smith has been really staring down tyler lockett and dk metcalf in recent weeks and i felt that was kind of the case in week two and i'm not sure that it was on him I think it boiled down to the game plan. It just didn't seem like tight ends were a big part of the focus in that week two matchup. They've got to do a better job of trying to get the tight ends involved early because that can be an extension of your run game. When your run game's really struggling, get that short passing game to the tight ends going, and that can open up DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. You can't force feed 
top receivers against a defense of this caliber. You have to open up those opportunities. And this defense has had a few coverage breakdowns along the way. So if you were able to set those plays up, you can get Metcalf and Lockett open downfield and maybe hit on a few deep balls in this football game. But it's not just going to happen magically. You are going to have to manufacture those opportunities. And I think getting the tight ends and even the running backs in the passing game involved early can be an extension of the run game and help get those players involved later with the deep ball. And as far as I'm concerned, talking about the run game, that's got to be number two for me here. Because I think one of the frustrations for Pete Carroll, a frustration for Shane Waldron, really everybody in the Seahawks, yes, they've struggled running the football. But one of the big problems is they haven't been getting enough carries. They haven't been doing what other teams have been doing. You can't give up on the ground game early if it's not working, especially against a team like the 49ers. They're number one in the NFL in rushing yards allowed. They're number one in rushing touchdowns allowed. This is a dominant stout defense up front. And so some of our listeners might be thinking, well, that tells me right now we need to just come out throwing the ball. Well, then you got to worry about Nick Bosa and all the pass rushers coming after Geno Smith. There's going to have to be a ground game, and you're going to have to get more than 8 to 10 carries from your running backs. You need to be aiming for 20 to 25 carries before this game is over. You have to get that ground game going, not just in terms of getting some chunk plays. You need to wear down this 49ers defense. They're like any other defense out there. You have to find a way to sustain a few drives and not give up on that run game early if it is not working. If they do that and this becomes a one-dimensional offense in the first half, this has a chance to end up being a blowout and not in the way that Seahawks fans would like to see at Lumen Field. So they have absolutely got to get that ground game going, whether it's with Ken Walker the third coming back or one of the other running backs being involved. They have got to have a little bit of balance. I'm not asking for 75 to 100 rushing yards, but I'm asking for 20 to 25 carries, some effectiveness around four yards per carry, good runs on early downs. If you can do that, it gives you a much better chance to win this football game. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, to me, it was a really fascinating matchup a couple of weeks ago. Miami Dolphins played against San Francisco. And, of course, Mike McDaniel is the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, was previously with San Francisco. And I thought that it was fascinating the way that he basically just completely abandoned the run put the, the ball in the hands of his quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa, obviously dynamic wide receiver talent they have there, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, you know, and, and that was the way that they attacked San Francisco, and it resulted in a loss. And I think that if the, the Seahawks try to take that strategy, and again, all due respect, I mean, Mike McDaniels knows the 49ers as well as probably anybody. But if the Seahawks try to kind of change their colors, change who they really are to try to just play a strategy, I think that is going to result in a, in a loss and perhaps an ugly loss, as you just pointed out. I think if they try to play a little bit of ball control and then take those shots when they are given to them, Try to play the slow game. You've heard the Pete Carroll mantra before. Can you win a game in the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter? But damn it, you can in the fourth quarter. If they can keep this game close, that's where the 12 man can really create a, a, an issue for the 49ers, especially considering whoever they're going to have at the quarterback position. So, Keep, play, keep away, and then strike over the top. Really take full advantage of, again, as I mentioned before, the tight end position and just the size advantage that Seattle's tight ends have. Nobody in San Francisco's defensive backfield can match up with DK Metcalf's size and explosiveness as well. 
So that's really where I think the Seahawks have to try to take advantage of that type of strategy rather than just abandoning the run and then just trying to throw Geno Smith out there and, and throwing him to the Wolves. To me, that is what's going to result in an ugly loss at home. Yeah, this is one of those games where I think the Seahawks are going to have to be very patient. They're going to have to play some ball control, a little bit of keep away like other teams have been doing to them the last four weeks so that the 49ers are not racking up 35, 40, 45 carries in this football game and then pounce when the opportunity for a big play comes. Geno Smith has shown he can do that. He's been a little over aggressive. He admitted that earlier this week in part because he's had to. They've needed to have those big plays in the passing game because the run game hasn't been there. So I think you're going to have to have some patience. And really, this is a perfect segue looking at the defense because I think that's the biggest key for the Seahawks in this game. You know, you can look at the pass rush, you can look at turnovers, all that stuff. But they have got to find a way to get off the field and win the time of possession battle. And that's the big thing for me looking at this football game right now. They have got to find a way to wreak havoc on early downs. The 49ers rank fifth in third down percentage in the NFL this season. They are very difficult to get off the field. And a big part of that is that they run the football so well on first and second down. They also are able to get their play action game going on early downs. Can you find a way, and this is something the Seahawks have not been able to do in recent weeks, can you find a way to force the 49ers to get behind the sticks by getting some first down stops, one or two yard gains in the run game, getting those third down opportunities, and then can you finish the drive? How many drives last week did they have the Panthers right where they wanted them and then gave up easy first downs on third down? That cannot happen in this football game. You've got to win on early downs consistently and get off the football field. Even if you're not getting three and outs, 49ers are near the bottom of the NFL in three and outs this year. If you can find a way to get some quick drives, limit them to one or two first downs. Don't let them pile up the carries like the Panthers did a week ago, like the Raiders did three weeks ago. If you can do that, this is not an overly explosive offense, especially without Debo Samuel. It gives you a really good chance to win this football game. That is going to be easier said than done, though, especially with how much Seattle has struggled defending the run the last four weeks. Corbin, usually when you throw out statistics, I, I just kind of acknowledge that you're, you're smarter than I am. Uh, you, you have better acumen when it comes to all of these different numbers. But I think we can throw out all of the numbers when it comes to how successful San Francisco has been on third downs, because, of course, they had a veteran quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. And previously they had a very dynamic runner, uh, you know, in, uh, you know, in, in their rookie quarterback. Um, you know, but I, I look at Brock Purdy. I look at Josh Johnson. Now, as, as guys who it's just human nature, if this game gets in the fourth quarter and it's close, then they're going to start to get a little bit nervous. Um, you know, they are being expected to kind of be able to, you know, keep this team rolling. As I mentioned before, they've won six games in a row. Nobody wants to be the quarterback that suddenly allows a possible Super Bowl favorite to stumble against a team that's lost three of their last four and giving up just gobs of yardage on the ground. So to me, that's really what it comes down to is can you keep this game close? Can you make whoever is the quarterback fold a little bit, struggle a little bit? So if we want to get specific, then can you slow down George Kittle? Because as you mentioned, Debo Samuel is not going to be on the field. Brandon Ayuk is a terrific player. But again, I think that you have one of the most dynamic one-on-one man-to-man cover corners in all of the NFL and Tariq Woolen. Lock Ayuk down if that's at all possible one-on-one coverage and allow the rest of the defense to focus in on the run to focus in on slowing down the tight ends obviously there are going to be 
opportunities for San Francisco to throw over the top and create some big plays. But if, but force San Francisco's quarterback, whoever he may be, to make that type of throw. But if San Francisco is able to just run the ball effectively, as you just mentioned, the way the Carolina Panthers did, to turn those third and threes into first downs over and over and over again, you're going to lull that 12th man asleep. And that is going to result in a huge victory for the 49ers. And I would mention this as well. I asked you this prior to the, the start of our show. I asked you what the, the line was in this game. Vegas is saying this is a three-point game. So I think that when you look at the talent on this team, you would think the 49ers could walk into Seattle and perhaps walk out of there with a double-digit victory. Vegas doesn't think so. So I, I think that this is interesting because I think that we have two teams that are physically beaten up. They know they're going to play a physical game. You know that Seattle, as Pete Carroll always has this team, ready to play in these primetime games. Seattle's going to bring it a little bit. If they can keep this a game into the second half, I really do think that they have a chance to kind of surprise a lot of people and perhaps escape with a victory. Yeah, they absolutely have a chance to win this game. It's just going to boil down to execution and being able to create turnovers, I think that is going to be critical in this football game, especially when you got a rookie quarterback. I think Brock Purdy is going to start this game, even though he's been limited this week. Can you force him into mistakes? He had issues with uncorking the ball into tight coverage, two or three-man coverages at Iowa State. You can force him into those situations if you can make him uncomfortable. And that really leads to me the most important thing in this game. You can talk about the early down, wreaking havoc, but to do that, Seattle's got to find a way to balance their discipline with aggression up front. And what I mean by that, you've got to have your run fits on point. That has been inconsistent for this defense all season long. Can you put everything together in this matchup? And you've also got to have your linebackers playing downhill and fast. And that's the hardest part about playing defense in the NFL, especially when you're playing a well-rounded run game like the 49ers are going to bring at you with all the formations, the pre-snap motion, Kyle Juszczyk, George Kittle, the ability to move those guys around, the different running backs that they have, it makes it very challenging. But you've got to find a way to both be disciplined and also be aggressive because if you are not able to check off both those boxes, the 49ers are going to gash you every single time. No question about it. And again, that kind of comes back to that that second point about creating the turnovers. I think that you have to force, again, whether it be Brock Purdy or Josh Johnson, you have to force them to go to San Francisco's secondary targets. To me, the primary target you have to worry about is Christian McCaffrey at the running back position. I mean, whoever is the running back for the 49ers, he is the guy that you have to stop. Kyle Shanahan has proven that over and over again. Of course, now they have a superstar and Christian McCaffrey, and George Kittle is not playing second fiddle to anybody. But in this game, I think that he does. And so I think that that's where you have your advantage is, you again, you have to play up tight and try to slow down the run, and then you have to have your safeties, your cornerbacks, especially Tariq Wong. We have seen him come off of receivers and be able to cut across against dynamic tight ends and be able to create some interceptions. I don't think that Seattle can win this game unless they create some turnovers. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they are able to create a turnover and go back and score a touchdown off of it. Of course, that was the way that they scored their only touchdown in that week two loss, 49ers, a block kick, and they got that for a touchdown. To me, that's really what it's going to come down to is, as I said on there, no turnovers, basically no victory, no chance at a victory in my opinion. San Francisco is that good, but, but Seattle – 
is that good at defense in terms of creating turnovers. And again, I think that crowd noise can play that much of a factor, not because the 49ers don't aren't, aren't good. They are very good, but they're a completely different animal now that they have different quarterbacks at the helm. Yeah, this is going to be a really intriguing matchup. It always is when these two teams get together. And I'm just curious to see if the Seahawks can fix some of the things that were a problem less than five days ago. Sometimes these quick turnarounds, you'll be surprised how much teams are able to adapt. And sometimes that short turnaround ends up doing the exact opposite. And the problems you had on Sunday are still huge problems on Thursday. So we'll see what happens. Coming up next to wrap up our Wednesday episode, Rob and I are going to dish out our weekly X Factors. We're going to share our main key to victory, what the Seahawks absolutely must do to beat the 49ers on Thursday night. And finally, last but not least, our game predictions. We're going to get to those coming up next here on our Wednesday episode of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and World Cup. We've got it all on BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those as well at BetOnline. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, so head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbett Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. A special thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We've got this big matchup coming up. Thursday night football, Seahawks hosting the 49ers. NFC West hanging in the balance. The Seahawks playoff hopes hanging on a thread after losing to the Panthers on Sunday. This truly is a must-win at home for the Seahawks. Let's talk X-Factors now. Players maybe that are under the radar a little bit that we think can have a big impact on this game for the Seahawks in a positive way. I'm going to dish the mic to you first, Rob, on offense or defense. Just one player who is one guy that jumps out to you that has a chance to be a real X-Factor in this matchup. Well, real X factor again. I think that you can argue just about any of, of Seattle's pass catchers, and I don't know that Marquise Goodwin at this point truly could be considered under the radar type of a player. I mean, considering the way that he played against Carolina, considering the fact that he is a former San Francisco 49er, um, you know, and considering the fact that I think that San Francisco is going to do everything they possibly can to try and slow down DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. To me, he is an obvious factor. But I just don't have a great deal of faith in Shane Waldron and Seattle's offense and getting the ball to the tight ends, as I tried to argue earlier that they should do. And Marquise Goodwin does have that breakaway ability that none of Seattle's tight ends truly possess. So to me, if there is a guy on offense that is able to kind of just turn this game on its side a little bit, I think the former Olympian Marquise Goodwin, at least the former Olympic qualifying uh, candidate, Marquise Goodwin has the best chance of all the Seahawks to be able to do so. I'm digging deep, deep, deep down into the barrel for my X factor, a guy that has played four snaps on defense for the Seattle Seahawks, but a guy that I think we might see more of, even if Ryan Neal starts, I don't think he's going to be playing every snap at this point with the injuries he's dealing with. And I think the Seahawks, you can hear it in Pete Carroll's answer yesterday, speaking with reporters that I think Jonathan Abram has a chance to play quite a few snaps in this football game. And what I'm intrigued by, we got to see him blitz and get after the quarterback in Sunday's game against the Panthers, and he almost got home. 
he has a skill set that fits more with what Jamal Adams is going to bring to the table. Now, obviously, he is not the same talent as Jamal Adams. He's been cut twice this season. Things have not worked out for the former first rounder, but he still is a big time talent and he is a really good box safety that has excelled as a blitzer going back to his days at Mississippi State. The Seahawks are running a scheme that's supposed to fit strong safeties like that. So I just have a feeling that Jonathan Abram, I'm not saying he's going to get a sack, but I think he is going to make a big play on defense in this football game, whether that's getting into the backfield and making a nice tackle in the run game or getting his hands on a football, breaking up a screen. He's going to do something, and I think he's going to play a handful of snaps in this game. And if Ryan Neal can't start, I actually think this is the week that Jonathan Abram jumps over, tees Tabor, and starts at that position because he's now had two-plus weeks learning this system and he's feeling comfortable with it. So Abram, I'm going deep, deep in the barrel there, but a player that could help their run defense because he's a thumper at the strong safety position for the Seahawks to win. We talked our, our game plan last quarter on offense and defense, Rob, what do you think is the one thing if the Seahawks are going to win this game, they absolutely must accomplish. Well, it's a little bit of both. Uh, but I think that they have to be able to slow down San Francisco's running game, and they have to be able to run the football themselves. And again, that that's pretty obvious. But I'll, I'll give you a number. I think that Seattle has to at least get half of San Francisco's overall rushing yards in this game. And I say half because I think they have the quarterback. That's twice as good as anything that San Francisco is going to be able to throw out there on the field Thursday night. And so I think if you have that, basically you are going to be, you know, matching what San Francisco is able to offer on offense. And then perhaps that big crowd, possibly a a spectacular special teams unit might be able to just will the Seahawks to a victory that they so desperately need at this point. Yeah. And really you were talking about the run game on both sides of the football. I want to look at the scoreboard in particular, the clock. Because you look at what the Panthers did last week. They had the 22 carries in the first half. And they only averaged three and a half yards per carry. But still, they ran the ball 22 dang times in the first half. You let the 49ers have those kind of drives and chew up that kind of clock. You have absolutely no chance to win this game. So I'm going to be very blunt about this. You have got to win the time of possession battle. I don't care if it's by 30 seconds or if it's by 10 minutes. You need to win the time of possession battle. Have some ball control and establish your offense. Have a few drives where even if you don't score points, you were able to hold on to the ball for a while, get some first downs, wear down this really talented 49ers defense. So I think time of possession is important. And on the defensive side of the football for me, there's only one stat that jumps out in this one, and it goes back to that time of possession battle. The 49ers, they are dead last in the NFL in three and outs. This is not a team that has many quick possessions. If you can force at least three of those in this football game, the Seahawks have been allergic to those in the last four games. It's truly been a roller coaster season in that regard because in their four game winning streak, they had a bunch of them. And then ever since then, it's gone back to early in the season regression where they can't get off the field. Can you find a way to get some quick possessions, especially against a rookie quarterback or a journeyman quarterback that hasn't played very many snaps in the NFL? Get off the football field. That's going to help your time possession. It's going to give you a better chance to have the offense have good starting field position if you do that and you don't let the 49ers drive down the field. It really would be a perfect ingredient for them to get everything else rolling 
which gives them a chance to win this football game. So are they going to win or are they not? I dish it to you. Prediction time. The 49ers favored by three points. I'm surprised it's that low given how well the 49ers are playing and the way the Seahawks have played the last four games. But it is at home and the Seahawks should have plenty to play for with the NFC West hanging in the balance here. Yeah, there's no question about it. Uh, I, I, one of the things that we did not talk about is I do think the special teams could play a role in this game. If you're not going to fake a kick, fake a punt, that's a planned one, or either Michael Dixon just kind of going off script, then I think this is exactly the type of game to do. So I think if there's something like that, something kind of unexpected, I think, could happen in this football game. I love the fact that you mentioned Jonathan Abrams because I think that he is exactly the type of player that might be able to do that. All of that said, Corbin, I've been evaluating football for a long time, and it's very, very rare that you see a team that is as physical as the 49ers are lose to a team that is just absolutely reeling the way that the Seahawks are. And so while I would love to say that I think the Seahawks are somehow going to be able to pull off this victory, and there's a possibility that they are, but I think that it would be very surprising. And again, Vegas agrees with that as well. I have the 49ers winning, running away, quite literally, 27, Seahawks 13. So you're going with a two-score loss. I think it's going to be a little closer than that, but I don't think the Seahawks are going to pull this one off either. I think they are going to have a fighting chance because of the quarterback discrepancy. Geno Smith has been a top-five quarterback this season. I expect that he's going to bring his A game against a really good defense. He's going to be much more efficient than what he was when they played in week two. He's got the weapons around him. I think he's going to get the ball to his tight end some. And I think there might even be a little bit of a run game for the Seahawks at some point to provide a little bit of balance. With all of that said, I just think the 49ers are the better football team and they have a better offensive and defensive line. And to me, that is the key to winning championships, winning divisions, they just have a huge advantage in the trenches. And I can't see the Seahawks overcoming that. I think you know, Smith's heroics are going to keep the game within striking distance. They might get some special teams plays that help them out. But I'm going to go to one-score game. I, I think 30-23. to 23. I think the 49ers run game is going to be a little bit too much. The Seahawks are not going to be able to get enough stops in the end. Geno Smith's going to give everything he's got to give his team a chance to win this football game and it's still not going to be enough. And I think they're at 500 after this game. Hopefully both of us are wrong and we'll be having a victory Friday discussion here on locked on Seahawks, but we'll just have to wait and see as always. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out locked on Seahawks and Apple podcast, Google podcast, Spotify and streaming five days a week on YouTube coming up tomorrow. It's going to be late folks, but there will be a postcast, a live one coming a few hours after the Thursday night game between the Seahawks and 49ers commences. I'll be dishing out my thoughts on the game, game balls, three up, three down, and much more. Hope you'll be joining me again. That'll be live a few hours after the final play at Lumen Field. Hope you'll be joining us. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.